the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Your Life is sponsored by James J.C. Cooley. Life is a series of circles and cycles, phrases and stages. These are your experiences that teach you the lessons of life. You can either ignore them or embrace them. Welcome to the James Cooley Show. It's Your Life. James is a motivational speaker, author, military veteran, and founder of the J.C. Cooley Foundation. James is here to equip you to strive for greatness and overcome adversity. It's time to get equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. Now, here's the host of It's Your Life, James Cooley. Hello, welcome to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and we just had a fantastic weekend. And, uh, you know, just coming out the weekend... Uh, currently, Michelle and I are in Texas, Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas, and it rained like crazy today. And but uh, hey Noah, you know uh, I'm part what we call idiot. I, I don't I believe had, that for a minute. <laughs> I had to get out there and get my seven miles in, bro. You got it in anyway, huh? I, I carried an umbrella with me. <laughs> wow, <laughs> dedication right there. Well, uh, uh, I had to, man, because, uh, I'm down 16 pounds and, and, uh, I know my, I listen to the audience. You, you, you guys might be offended when I said this a little bit, but, uh, I keep telling my beautiful wife here, I said, baby, you know, if I keep doing this, I'm going to be down to my pimp weight, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and she, and she, she look at me like, okay, uh, but what I mean by getting down to my normal weight and not pimp weight, no, I understand. nothing, nothing like that. And Michelle, no, uh, he doesn't mean anything like that. He just means, <laughs> you know, the weight that he's comfortable with. I mean, he's not trying to go back to his weight when he was 20 years old. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, I want to get back to the weight I when I was 20. 20 years old. James. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my wife and we, we, we joke like that, but I was like, OK, I'm, I'm getting back down to my you know, I can I can smile at the young girls and and give a wink and and shake my head and like <laughs> no, <laughs> you know I, I I I'm looking at uh uh my guests uh I got two great jazz guests on the phone they laughing uh listen orders you can't see them uh but they know exactly what i'm talking about it's especially what sweet lou you know what i'm talking about right i know what you're talking about you know (laughs) (laughs) hey hey, donna you know what i'm talking about i want to backtrack on too (laughs) (laughs) but but you know what uh that was in uh it's just uh being able to have motivation motivation to uh, sometimes we step out and sometimes we lose gain weight and sometimes we lose it. And, but we have to have a, a something that we're striving for. And, uh, and I believe that, uh, on earth every single day, we need to have to strive for being per- perfection. And, and we might have already reached those goals earlier in our career for success, but, uh, in order to maintain success, we have to continue to work. Noah, we have to continue to work. Yeah, it's not just a you know, one-time thing. It is a constant thing. You've got to do it, and you've got to do it your entire life. You have to do it your entire life, and you, you, you have to be able to get out there even when you don't wake up and, and you want to do it, and, uh, just like uh, I'm older now and I wake up and my bones are popping and, and this and that. And I ain't talking about no We don't want to do this run in the rain, James. Come on. I, I had to because I set goals. And my wife set goals for me. Uh, and I set goals for everybody else. And that's just how, how we do it. Yeah, I set goals for myself, too. I mean, um, 
I I have weights at the house and I go to the gym. So the times that I feel like hopping up out the house to go to the gym, I just work out at home, you know, get on that treadmill, do some free weights, look at some videos. But um, I know how I want to be for myself. So that's important. Well, Noah, I, I want you to know that uh, she's kind of lying a little bit because she got a treadmill, elliptical, uh, weights. She got everything in the house that they got at the gym. And, she doesn't uh, need to go to the gym. She has the gym. She got me. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, okay, man, I tell you, man. Uh, one thing I want to talk about before we get into this great show is Noah. Uh, my new book, All the Country Board, City Board, A Journey. Yeah, it's Ain't exciting. Oh, uh, man. You know, we started out with like 38 uh, worldwide platforms. That's what you were saying. Today, we're up to 47. There's only three more that have not came on board. And I'm in California studio doing a couple of commercials tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, so I'll see you there, Yeah, my we're friend. excited to have you back in California. <laughs> hey, man, I'm, I'm excited to be there. Uh, but also, I'm in Atlanta, uh, Thursday and Friday. Uh, I'm at the Hawks game, and I'm doing my show live from the Hawks game. And I, 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 I know Lou is sitting there laughing like, oh, I mean, but, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's great. So uh, when you see our boss, Steve, just tell him, rub it in. Noah said, hey, JC is going to be doing this show at the Hawks game live. <laughs> I'm sure he's going to be jealous. <laughs> a little bit. But uh, I want to talk about our show tonight, uh, the smooth sounds of jazz. And, and we got two absolutely fantastic artists on the show tonight. Michelle, can can you tell our listening audience the purpose of the show tonight? Yes. The purpose of the show tonight, first of all, the title of the show is The Smooth Sounds of Jazz. Okay, she got me. She got me. <laughs> The Smooth Sounds of Jazz. And the purpose of the show today is to learn about the amazing careers of two jazz icons, Donald Brown and Lou Alatosin. Learn about the challenges and rewards experienced through their journey and their careers. And learn about their creative processes in music and who influenced them in their career and the jazz greats they work together with. No, I have not had an opportunity to make sure that you got some of that queued up. But you, you, you got anything queued up that that uh, we can play and uh, listen to audience? Give me about 30 seconds or something. My friend, that's Donna Brown. Michelle, can you tell our listening audience a little bit about this great guest? Oh, my gosh. Donald Brown was born on March 28th, 1954, in DeSoto, Mississippi. At the age of two, Brown and his family moved to Memphis, Tennessee. Donald came from a musical family, which instilled a love of music in him. His first foray into music included early stints on the drums, baritone, horn, and tuba. In the ninth grade, he began to play the trumpet and showed a great deal of talent on the instrument, winning several awards for his abilities. Brown's first musical mentors were his cousin Lloyd Stan Anderson, a gospel pianist, and his sister Wadia, who was a gifted singer and pianist. Upon graduating from high school, Donald enrolled at Memphis State University on a trumpet scholarship, but he quickly switched to the piano. And while attending college, he was persuaded to study jazz by his friend and classmate pianist, James Williams. Donald has a list of accomplishments. Um, he's the former professor at Berkeley College of Music, former music director of Art Blakely's Jazz Messengers. He recorded with Donald Byrd, Joe Henderson, and other jazz greats, has toured internationally across Europe, Asia, and other parts of the world, has produced albums for Kenny Garrett, Carmen Bradford, Nancy Strange, and other 2008 
in concert by Zim, Zimology, Nikwana, on which Donald performed as part of the UT Faculty Ensemble, won a South African Music Award in the traditional jazz category. He got the Dr. King Award, Brubeck Residencies, Juilliard Residencies, and so many more. The James Cooley Show in July proudly presents jazz icon Donald Brown. You know, uh, I, I tell you, uh, this guy is, is is so noted and so accomplished that uh, we only gave him like one percent. I mean, I'm, I'm, when I say one percent, I really mean one percent. And as we go as we go through the show. Uh, we're going to tell you a little bit more about him, but uh, 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 we we got two minutes. I'm going to start with Donna before we even get to uh, to anything else. Donna, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Okay, so can can you tell us uh, a little bit about your upbringing? And uh, I mean, I, I you you from Tennessee, I believe. So you know. Uh, I was born in DeSoto, Mississippi, and but my mother always used to tell me, don't worry, don't tell nobody you're from Mississippi, tell me you were born in Tennessee, but the, the funny part is I, what, what happened, I was actually born in Mississippi, but I just lived there for a couple of weeks, and uh, uh, so, you know, growing up in Memphis, I grew up in a family, it's, it's uh, 11 kids, uh, Six girls and five boys. And uh, hey, 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 Donna, hey, hey, Donna, Donna. Uh, what we're gonna do? We're gonna take a station break, but we're gonna come back and we're gonna adjust this because uh, I think we got a, a double connection somewhere where I listen to audience can't 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 clear to hear. So, but we're gonna do. We're gonna take a station break, but we're gonna come back and we're gonna continue our conversation with the great, the fabulous Donna Brown. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. FM 96.1 North County and AM 1170 San Diego. The answer. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and I tell you, uh, uh, we we got the, the great uh Donna Brown and uh, we got uh, uh, Sweet Lou. Uh, we we got both uh, fantastic jazz artists here. Hey, hey, no, can you give me a, another? Can you give me a sample of, of Sweet Lou? work from nine to five, trade their life for a line of jive, never had foresight to see, 
Wow. Where the changes had to be. Thought that they had heard the word. Thought it yes, thought yes, 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 yes. We're still swinging. There are those who stayed around. Came up with a brand new sound. Miles Davis got his band to groove. Man, hey Noah, that that uh, jazz. You know how, how how I feel about jazz. I know how you feel about jazz. Yeah, so. and this is not the first time we've had on Sweet Lou. And when I play his music, man, it just makes me feel all good inside. I love this guy. I I, I love both of these guys, man. And uh, uh, we 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 gonna get Donna back on once we get that connection right. Uh, but uh, you know, Sweet Lou been on a couple of times, and you just know how that guy roll. And uh, Sweet Lou, how you doing, man? Thank you for having me, first of all. Um, I'm really, really excited just to be here with uh, you and most importantly, excited to be with Donald Brown, man. That's my man on there. I want to let you know, my mentor. That's my man, too, bro. I'm telling you, me and Michelle, yep. we listen to his music all day today. And uh, once we get reconnected with him, make sure we got the sound. Uh, right, we're gonna bring them back. Uh, but, uh, uh, right now, man, you know, uh, I, I talk to you at least once or twice a week, and man, you're doing mm-hmm. so many great things, bruh. And you, you keep turning me on to all of these great people, especially like Donna, Donna Brown. And, uh, Tyrone, uh, Tyrone Jackson told me to say, and that's my mentor. He's all of our mentors. Uh, this is a bad man. All of you guys are. Uh, what I call bad man. I'm in a good sense. And so, uh, what you been doing lately, brother? Well, I think the last time I was on your show, I told you I had uh, started um, my education again. I, I kind of sometimes think of it as like my re-education because I'm learning things that I should have learned a long time ago, but I didn't. So I'm getting it right this time. Uh, and that, is, and of course, always there's uh, some kind of creative path that I'm trying to follow and, and even with the music. Um, so I'll continue to try to write a little bit here and there and mentor, of course, you know, some, some of the younger people that are coming on behind me because I know my time is not forever and it, I'll look up and it'll be gone before I realize it. And if I hadn't helped anybody else along the way, then what did I do with the time that the creator gave me to spend on this earth? So that's, you know, what, you know, that's kind of my focus. It, it, it's it's a couple of things you and I have in common, man. And uh, and uh, just like last time that you was on the show, we talked about uh, you uh, retiring from the military, a full bird colonel, uh, and then you picked up everything that you had left off. Not that you wasn't doing it in the military, but you picked up the music again, and uh, you 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 release. An album. Next thing you know, you at the top. I'm talking about number one on the billboard. I mean, how how can, how can you do that? How can you go from the military, uh, a retired colonel, then next thing you know, less than a year, you are back. Uh huh. Oh, I mean, you're top on the chart. Well, I, you know, God is good. Let me just say that God is good. I, I think that um, in my case, I, I was really, really lucky and blessed both at the same time because, you know, the creator laid out a, a path for me. I followed it. I made some good connections, met some great people who could kind of steer me and mentor me in ways that I, you know, needed to be mentored. And one of those people, like I mentioned, is, is Donald Brown. Um, so I, a lot of it was what helped me um, just take advantage of things that were in front of me and I think the creator just uh, opened my eyes when I when they needed to be opened, and closed my mouth when it needs to be closed, so I didn't get it my own way. Lou, um, Donald, do we have you back on the phone? I think so. Oh, oh yeah! <laughs> 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 well, okay, good. We were trying to. Then we just lost connection there for a little bit. So, 
Good. I'm going to, um, James is going to, um, focus on a couple of Lou questions. I'm going to go back to Donald since we start with, started with you first, Donald. Can you share with us why you switched from trumpet to piano and what inspired you to study jazz when you enrolled in Memphis State University? Well, you know, uh, I just kind of got tired of playing the trumpet and, uh, I used the piano in high school to arrange for my high school band. And uh, so I knew how to use the piano from an arranging standpoint. And uh, when I got to Memphis State in 1972, I uh, met a a pianist by the name of James Williams. He's unfortunately not with us, but he was a world-renowned pianist. And uh, I... I was starting to get into jazz, maybe like my senior year in high school. My high school band director uh, played the song of the symphony, but he played great jazz saxophone, and he started turning me on the records like uh, Miles Davis and John Coltrane and and so on. And uh, from that point, I knew when I got to Memphis State, I'd be able to continue studying that music uh, to James. And uh, then there were so many legends uh, living in the city of Memphis, in particular, a pianist uh, who's considered one of the top ten greatest pianists uh, in the history of the music by the name of Phineas Newborn, and he was playing around town at that time. So uh, to be a young, upcoming pianist and to get to hear somebody like that a couple of times a week was overwhelming, but very inspiring. So. Wow. So can you tell us about your time as one of the members of Art Blakely's Jazz Messengers and the people that you worked with in that in that group? Sure. Uh, uh, James Williams, the pianist uh, I mentioned before, he was the pianist before me. And uh, he told me he was leaving the band and I, along with three other pianists, auditioned and I ended up getting the gig. And uh it was a great time for me and my career to join Art Blakey, mainly because the Marcellus brothers were in the band, uh, Winton and Branford and Billy Pierce, tennis saxophone and, uh, bassist, Charles Sambo, uh, was the bassist. And so it was my first time getting to travel outside the country and really around the country. And it just opened up so many doors for me as a composer. And uh, I played with Art Blakey twice. Uh, the first time was in 1981 with the band I just mentioned with Winston. And, uh, and then I rejoined the band. I started teaching at the Berkeley School of Music in 1983. And Art talked me into rejoining the band. And uh, it was supposed to be just for the summer, but I ended up doing it longer. But uh, that band consisted of Kenny Garrett, and Wallace Rowney and John Toussaint, uh, Tim Williams, and a bassist, Peter Washington. And then around that time, I, uh, shortly after that, I did my first record. And uh, also around that time, when Marcellus recorded a composition of mine called The Infamous Island, which was nominated for a Grammy uh, for best uh, performance by a small group. And uh, we lost in the category to Miles Davis. But since then, I went on to have a, uh, been participating in three or four of the Grammy nominated records. Uh, mainly, uh, a Donald Byrd record was nominated for Grammy. Uh, and my composition, Thing for Malcolm, that I wrote for Malcolm X, uh, was nominated for. Uh, best song by a small group as well. Wow. Wow, man. You know what? Uh, just uh, just like I said, we did not even get halfway through your bio because uh, you have performed with so many of the greats. And uh, uh, you were telling us about, uh, you just mentioned early bird. Can, can you tell us a little bit more about your debut album as the leader of Early Bird and how all of this came about and together? Uh, 
well, James was, uh, Williams was recording from a label called Sunny Side Records, and he had been uh, bragging about me to the owner of the record company. And uh, luckily, I, uh, James talked me into doing more of my own originals. Originally, I was going to do some standards and so on. And, uh, you know, I, most of the guys in the, in the rhythm section were playing with Wynn Marcellus at the time. And then uh, I had Brian from Marcellus did Kalama notes. And, uh, but the title uh, comes from uh, is the, the full title of the song that the early bird gets the short end of the stick. And uh, since I was in college, I became aware of racism at an early age. And so the concept behind that title is that as black people, our parents always told us, well, if you get up early enough, you know, get down to the place, uh, you'll get the job. And, uh, but then, uh, the title kind of contradicts by saying that, well, we can be the first ones down there, but, but if a white person show up there, I'll get the job before us. So, uh, uh, I've had quite a few records that were, uh, socially based. Uh, uh, I've composed a song for Malcolm X, Dr. King, Nelson Mandela, and, uh, and, and, and you know what, you, you, you know what, Don, I want you to hold that thought. I want you to hold that thought. We're going to take a station break. But I want to come back and continue that uh, your answer on uh, that question. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. We'll be back shortly. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. The Answer, San Diego. Streaming now on smart speakers and odyssey.com. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley and I tell you, wow. You know, uh, Noah, can you just get, get just give me the jazz beat before I even go to anything else. Uh, just Put me back back there. Noah, Noah. This makes Noah. you want to listen to the whole song. Yes, yes, it does. And you, you know what, Noah? You and I, we talk about this every week. And you always say, hey, JC, as your producer, when can we get some more jazz guys on? We need to get jazz guys on <laughs> on a regular basis. <laughs> and we do. But, you know, we got Donald Brown here. This guy's fascinating. Oh, wow. I mean, just listening to... Uh, some of the things he's doing and he plays all of these different instruments and he's been mentor, uh, been a mentor to, uh, great artists like sweet Lou, uh, like, uh, 
Tyrone Jackson, and I'm, I'm telling you, many, 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 many more. Uh, the Marcellus, uh, <laughs> everybody. This guy is is got it going on, and just picking his brain and find out how he come up with these ideas and and his music and all of these different type of things is fascinating. So, uh, I think we kind of cut him off. But audience, if you want to be part of the conversation. That's one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. Again, that's one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. You know, Donna, uh, we had to cut you off because we had to take a station break, and you was uh, uh, telling us and want you to finish this up. Uh, you were working with, with a lot of things, dealing with Dr. King, dealing with all these uh, Mac and Maxes. Can you finish up that thought? Well, you know, I always tell people. Uh, we could spend the next three or four hours talking about racism or something that's really played a big part of my life on this dealing with my kids. I'm dealing with the record industry and uh, I experienced it in college. I taught at the University of Tennessee for 32 years and I experienced it teaching there and, and teaching in Boston at Berkeley and uh, growing up in Memphis. So, uh, but, you know, it's, uh, even going back to my first year in college, one of the first compositions I wrote was called Black Indians, and I found out how Native Americans were treated and so on. But, uh, but you know, that, that was the jazz element. And then uh, uh, growing up in Memphis with Stax Records there, of course I got to uh, play with a lot of those artists, um, Rufus Thomas and Ann Peebles and... William Bell, who lives in Atlanta still, is like my first cousin. And uh, I have another cousin who lives in Atlanta, played with the group Brick. And uh, and so I got to work with uh, a lot, like I said, a lot of the Stacks records and listening to you playing McFadden and Whitehead uh, brought back the memories that uh, I played in the band that we opened for them uh, at a club in Memphis. And open for Larry Graham, open for the Ohio players. So uh, that was kind of my life before jazz. And I, you know, my students, they're always asking, you know, how I come up with different ideas. But a big part of it is that element of, you know, growing up in church music and then growing up, you know, not only the stacks music, but obviously the Motown and Philadelphia International sound and so on but uh yeah so hopefully that kind of gives you an idea uh, uh i don't want to take up all the time so so my man luke can talk um but um, i'm more than glad to answer some more questions but <laughs> and I, I, I want to hear this brother talk because i haven't seen him in a minute Hey, Donald, Noah here, producer Noah, uh, back in the booth. And I'm just very curious. You've obviously, you've done so much with your career. Is there anybody, is there an artist that you haven't played with to date that you would really like to work with in the future? Uh, <laughs> most of the artists probably have passed, passed along. Like I would love to work with Donnie Hathaway. I would have loved to have worked mm. with uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh, and then, you know, people like Tebo Bryson. Uh, th- there's some jazz artists, of course, but a, a lot of them have passed away. Uh, okay, on that then, is there is there a certain musician that you have uh, close to your heart that maybe you, you can't get a chance to play with, but you, that you overall, you enjoy their music that just really has a... Uh, has a special place in your heart. Uh, needless to say, uh, Stevie Wonder. Uh, but then uh, Freddie Hubbard. I didn't get to play with Freddie Hubbard uh, off and on for 10 years. Uh, but uh, someone like Cannonball Avery. And then uh, on the other hand, you know, I got to see Parliament Funkadelic a lot. And I had friends work with him, but I would have loved to work with George Clinton. <laughs> uh, I got to see Prince a few times, and I had uh, friends work with him. But man, I would have done anything to work with Prince. Oh man, I saw him in concert, Donald, and he was amazing. 
But we're going to hold that thought and switch back to Sweet Lou. Sweet Lou. Sweet Lou. I'm going to read um, just a little bit of information about him. Atlanta-based, internationally acclaimed jazz vocalist and recording artist Sweet Lou's latest project called Meet Me at the Crossroads. The Grammy-contending release debuted at number four on the Billboard Jazz Album Charts, just behind Gregory Porter and Noah Jones. As a youngster, Luke's, Lou's goal was to be an uninhibited singer using a mix of jazz, blues, and gospel to create music with the message of soulful spiritual healing. This goal remains that Lou channels everything from Al Jarreau, Joe Williams, Lou Rawls, Eddie Jefferson, and John Lee Hooker in his performances, creating his own unique vocal style. Alatosin is masterful, filled with ideas within his phrasing and deeply rooted in blues. The soulfulness of his well-rounded masculine voice is a beacon the male jazz vocal idiom. One voice I hope to hear for many years. This is from the Jazz Times. Lou, again, welcome to our show. <laughs> <laughs> Lou, well, thanks for having me. What you? You, you already, you, man, you talk all the time, brother. Welcome to the show, man. It's an absolute pleasure. And uh, you know what? Uh, uh, we're talking to your mentor, and now we get a chance to talk to you because he said, "Hey, right. I I want to talk to one of my students that's that's doing just as well as I am." <laughs> so, uh, sweet Lou, welcome to the show. <laughs> Lou. Lou, what type of music do you find yourself drawn to to create, write, and produce? And what are the challenges you find being a jazz artist? I, that's a very good question. I, I think probably the answer is part of it in the question. Um, obviously, I, I'm a jazz guy, so jazz is, is my number one draw. But when I come into the jazz idiom, I'm coming from gospel and R&B and all the other things that, that I've been exposed to as well. So it may not come through the, come through me the way it will come through someone else. But what I do recognize and, and accept and kind of welcome is the fact that this is the American classical, African-American classical music. And I always want to make sure that that's clear and at the very front and center, and that is represented in the way that it was supposed to be represented, not, you know, adulterated in, in any way that affects the music negatively because it's a very pure and very spiritual art form, and I think it needs to be presented that way. Who are some of your artistic influences, and why are they your influences? Oh, now that's a really good question, especially because one of my primary influences is having to be on the line right now, <laughs> uh, Mr. Donald Brown. And let me tell you about, he mentioned it a little bit earlier and um, he talked about how he's written many songs for um, civil rights icons or those that are actually trying to lead the struggle for equality across the board, which is something I'm always on board for. One of, one of the songs that Mr. Brown wrote, um, he mentioned it theme for Malcolm, that particular song, he wrote it for Malcolm X. And many years later, I show up and I wrote lyrics to that song. And that is the reason that Donald Brown and I are friends today. That, that opened the door for our friendship and mentorship because I was able to give lyrics to the music that he had written, but it was on the same vein where we all must strive and struggle to do our best to overcome these inequalities so we can all live better lives. So that he's one of my main influences for sure. You know, wow. Uh, both of you guys are major influences in the music industry, especially civil rights. And uh, we're going to take a station break, but we're going to come back and we're going to continue our conversation with Sweet Lou. And then we're going to bring Donna on at the same time. And we're going to, Delve deep into this conversation. It's your life from James Cooley. If I ever leave you, baby, you can say I told you so. And if I ever hurt you, I hurt myself as well 
There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. Streaming now at TheAnswerSanDiego.com and Odyssey.com. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. It's your life, I'm James Cooley. Is it any way for a man to carry on? Do you think I want my loved one? Hey, Noah, you know, uh, girl, I love you. You ended the segment with that, and uh, and you and I both paid me to turn it down, JC. (laughs) Oh man, that is so great, man, and 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 to have these two great jazz artists. Own at the same time, man. It's a real honor, it real treat. It pains me that it, it pains me that we only got eleven and eleven minutes and thirty seconds left. I mean, in this segment, but um, you know, I tell you, it's um, uh, let's start with uh, a sweet Lou. sweet Lou. man. Um, you you learn from one of the best, in, uh, not just one, but many of the best in the business, and uh. And you got uh, one of your mentors here. How do it feel, man, to to be on the air and just uh, be talking to him and letting him know what he means to you? Man, it feels like coming full circle, you know? And let me explain why I, why I answer that way. When I first um, started working with Donald way back, you know, when I first met him or came into a knowledge of, of who he was and what he was doing, I was blown away, but at the same time, kind of shocked and shell-shocked. You know, you, you meet somebody who's done great things and it kind of shakes you a little bit. After I got to meet him, I learned so much more from him than I did just from his music before because he has a way of sharing things that is, is not usual. So when I get a chance to be on the same kind of a platform with them, this is just, this is the full circle. This is like, I've been out, I've come back home, and now, you know, like if you were away for three years and then you finally come home and all of a sudden you get love and mom makes your favorite meal and all that kind of stuff, that's what this feels like. It feels like I'm sitting here, you know, around the table with my friends and my family and my mentor and we're just going to have a real nice meal and enjoy the fellowship of being human. Well, Donna, you know, I got to come back to you. I mean, so you see, uh, we call them prodigies or we call them uh, if you feed the plants and if you water them right, uh, they, it's going to blossom and uh, they're going to grow. And hopefully, you know, everybody like roses and everybody like to uh, make sure that oh, uh, it's going to continue to go. 
what does it feel like to see one of your students or one of uh, your your mentees grow into what you saw that they could do long time ago before they saw it? Well, you know, I I, I, I probably see our relationship different. I, I kind of see us as contemporaries. And, uh, but, you know, I, I'm just forever thankful and feel blessed that our past is called because Lewis has one of the most creative minds. I'm not just talking about music, but in general, of, of people I've met. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to have some projects in mind that I'm planning to have them write lyrics for me. And, uh, you know, I, I just see this as a lifelong relationship that started. And uh, he's just a talented, down-to-earth brother. And so, uh, you know, we, we met somewhat accidentally. And uh, I just had, you know, Lou uh, recorded my tune thing for Malcolm, but it was recorded by Donald Byrd. So on YouTube, they had the, the composer, Donald Byrd, and I think I wrote him a note and said, man, I appreciate you recording my song, but uh, I'm the composer, not Donald Byrd. And uh, <laughs> we got to talking, and he told me he was going to do a record. And, uh, man, I have to tell you, that if you he hadn't heard that song all the way through, uh, my wife, as I told her I was doing a show with Lou, she took out his CD because she loved that CD. But, uh, man, she loves to hear Lou sing that song. Oh, man. And he put his own, he puts his own stamp on it. And, uh, that's, that's not easy something to come back behind after Don Hathaway, but Lou represents and, uh, like I say, he takes it to a place where that he can call his own. And, uh, that's one of my favorite tracks. It's, it's one of some of the others on the album. This this is that 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 is so. I mean, just to know how he feels about you, Lou, and vice versa. Now, this is a question for both of you. What was one of the hardest tunes you had to compose? What was the title, and why was it hard for you? Let's start with Lou. Oh, I think for me, usually when I'm writing. It comes two ways. One is it comes to me and everything is right there. I mean, the lyric, the bass line, the everything. It's like God just opened up the window of heaven and just said, hey, here you go. Do something with that. You know, so, so those are really easy because it just comes. It's when I'm really trying to do something. It's like if I sit down and say, I need to write a song of this style or that style. Or and I, I want to address this issue or that issue. Those end up kind of taking a bit longer. So what? So my approach is, I'm, I've always got some kind of rhythm or some kind of baseline or some kind of melody going on in my head. So I'll I'll keep my phone close to me and I'll record it. Whenever whenever those little things come into my head, I record it. It may just be a couple of you know a hook or a line or something like that. And then when I get to where it's time to pull out something, I go through all the little three-second, five-second, 15-second segments that I've been compiling over the time period, and I see what works, and I just keep going back and forth until I can put the concept with the music and kind of have it all start to shake out a little bit to have some kind of form. That's kind of my approach. Probably not the typical one, but that's what I've come up with. Sweet Lou, producer Noah here. What do you think most influenced you or what you learned most from Donald over the years? Mm. I think two things in particular. In particular, timing. Timing in music is so, so, so special. I mean, it, and, and there's different ways that you can approach that timing. And one thing, the song that you played a little earlier, which is, is a Donald Brown arrangement of the Donny Hathaway tune, uh, Donald was actually playing the piano on that song, just uh, for, for your knowledge. But the, 
the timing that Donald put in that song in the very beginning. If you pay attention to it, you'll see what I'm talking about, because it's almost as if there is no time, but there is time all at the same time. You know, and it's a, so it, it's one of those techniques. And then one of the other things is just to pay attention and embrace people as they are. You know, everything's not for everybody, um, but there's something for everybody. You know, and kind of the, the way the way you approach people kind of affects the way they react to you often. I agree. And, I, and I've, I've seen that in, in how Donald operates. And it's something that I've, I've been able to learn from, even at this late stage in life. I'm still learning, and I'm, I'm not always trying to learn. So those are two things that I think are, are applicable in anything. But when you apply them to music, it takes on a different kind of life, a different kind of existence. Love it. You know, wow. You know, uh, we, we're coming out toward the end of the show. Uh, but uh, Donna, in about 30 seconds, uh, if you can, what would you tell Lou and not just him, but the other artists that you have worked with on how to stay motivated and continue to carry on the legacy? And you're not done either. What What's uh, a quick words of advice that you would tell them? Uh, surround yourself with people uh, that are more knowledgeable than you, but at the same time have the same drive and passion that you're trying to aspire to. Mm. And, uh, you know, I tell my students, I tell my kids, I have four, four kids, and, you know, t- tell them stay hungry and stay humble. And, uh, and you know the rest, I think, kind of take care, take takes care of itself. I, I I like what you said. Uh, uh, stay focused, stay hungry, because as long as we're hungry, we're going to continue to feed ourselves. We're going to continue to feed our our inner self. We're going to continue to feed our our emotions, our intellect, and we are. You know, we can go on continuously. I would love to have you guys back on because we did not even scratch the surface, but we're down to the last 30 seconds of the show. I want to thank Donna. Thank you. Short notice. Thank you. I got to have you back on, brother. Sweet Lou, you know I got to get you guys back on real soon. Thank you so much. This has been so enjoyable. I'd like to thank my beautiful wife, who's also my co-host, so uh, 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 for being here and helping co-host it. My great producer, Noah, thank you. Most importantly, the Noah. listening audience, thank you. Thank you. But we are always looking for sponsors so we can continue to bring this great message to you. We got a fantastic show coming up. Well, we got a lot of shows coming the rest of the weekend, the rest of the week. But uh, stay tuned. It's your life. I'm James Cooley, and we'll see you same time. Same place tomorrow. We got Rachel M coming tomorrow. We're going to talk about DEI. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. See you tomorrow. Thanks for joining us for It's Your Life with James Cooley. To learn more about James, how you can support the show, or become a guest, visit CooleyFoundation.org. Join James weekdays at this same time for more motivation and inspiration to help you become equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. This has been The James Cooley Show. It's your life, where you learn how to dream big, think big, and be big at everything that you do. It's Your Life is sponsored by James J.C. Cooley.